Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. King Slime is a production of iHeart Podcasts and Heirloom Media. It's Monday, April 3rd, 2023. Three months into the YSL trial, Judge Earl Glanville is on the stand in courtroom 1C. His brow is furrowed. His steely eyes peer out over a black COVID mask embroidered with a white Fulton County seal on one side. The subject of his intense gaze is a young black woman in a business suit standing at the clerk's desk. All right. Juror 1004, good morning, madam. Good morning. Just a few weeks earlier, Juror 1004 reported for jury duty. Okay, so I'm going to explain what everything that happened that day on the 17th of March. Okay, but Um, before then, do you recall this court giving you the ad nauseum admonitions about acceptable behavior? About having phones out? Yes. At at the moment when we came in. Didn't I tell you to turn your phone off? It was, I'm going to be Truthfully and very honest, when it was a lot going on, we had just come from different Answer my question first, and then you can explain it. Do you recall us telling you to turn off your cell phones? Um, Yes, sir. In violation of... Juror 1004 took out her phone to record a portion of the trial of one of the most famous rappers on the planet from the jury pool. Little did she know, just a few weeks later, she would be standing in front of that famous rapper and 12 of his co-defendants, trying to explain her way out of trouble. Okay, so when you was giving the speech, everybody was talking. I did take a video, and then the young lady next to me, she was like, man, we're not supposed to be recording. Soon as they said that, I deleted everything right then and there. Maybe 
Um, an hour went by. That's when the officer came up to me and said, uh, somebody had told us that you may be recording. So I showed them the phone. They went through my recent deleted photos and seen the video that I made. And this is my first time. That was my first time ever being in court in my whole entire life. So I wasn't really sure of anything we couldn't and could not do. So I do apologize for that. She may never have been in court before that day in March, but on this day in April, she's getting a crash course in criminal justice. You know, there are there are varying reasons that we tell that we punish people in society. Okay, I'm just going to tell you the reasons are one, just general uh, is retribution, eye for an eye. The second reason that we punish people is for general deterrence. We don't want other people doing this kind of same thing. Third reason is specific de- deterrence. That means we don't want you doing this again. And then it's rehabilitation and reentry. So, ma'am, in this particular situation, you videotaped our, our proceedings as was just a brazen violation of these particular proceedings. You decided you could just do what you wanted to do. It's not pull out your phone and, what I wanted to do. I just, well, you pulled out your phone and videotaped our proceedings, and that was in direct violation of this court's order. So I'm going to sentence you to three days of, uh, in, in, uh, in, in jail, and that will otherwise satisfy your contempt. I'm Christina Lee. And I'm George Cheedy. This is King Slime. The prosecution of Young Thug and YSL. Today, there was some drama in the courtroom. Good evening, and thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Russ Spencer. I'm Courtney Bryant. A potential juror in the YSL trial was arrested, accused of recording video during courtroom proceedings. Juror 1004 is reportedly released after five hours in jail. But Judge Glanville's punishment sends a message inside the courtroom and beyond. That's right, Russ and Courtney. That potential juror's out of jail after several hours. The judge initially sentenced her to three days. We speak with a legal expert. She says this judge is not playing around. Glanville is the chief judge of the Fulton County Superior Court and a retired Army general who handled war crimes in Afghanistan. He has little tolerance for misconduct. And you don't have to take Juror 1004's word for it. Ask Juror 64 from way back in January. She took one look at the jury form and skipped out at lunch, preferring to go on vacation in the Dominican Republic. Ordinarily, um, madam, I, you know, I do find you in contempt, but here's what I'm going to do. Contempt is punishable easily by a fine of $1,000 and or 20 days in jail. I am not going to fine you. In order for you to satisfy your contempt, I'm going to commute the 20 days and require you to write a 30-page paper on the importance of jury service. Here's the criteria. You'll have to do APA style. You're going to have to use at least 10 primary sources, 10 secondary sources. In July, Judge Gladville faced another no-show juror. This is very, very serious. It's one of the most important civic obligations that we can have. I literally forgot it was not a malicious act. It was not that I just decided not to come ashore that day. And gave her a choice. Five days of trial observation or 20 days in jail. What do you want to do? I'll do the five days. But it isn't only jurors who have faced Glanville's wrath. 
He's threatened the gallery of observers, too. And if anybody's in the gallery and you can't otherwise control yourself or otherwise make, you want to make any appropriate comments, then you can leave at this point in time. But if you remain in this courtroom and make, it, and make any outbursts, I'll have you arrested. And has held three defense attorneys in contempt. You were held in contempt, young man. YSL defendant Miles Farley's lawyer, Anastasios Manetas, offered to pay a $250 fee instead of spending 20 days in jail for being late to a hearing. But I satisfied your contempt by you paying $250, which you did. I have that receipt here. And just like that juror who ditched court for the beach, Christian Epiger's defense attorney, Eric Johnson, was ordered to write an essay for being tardy. A 17-page paper on the importance of professionalism in the legal field and treating one's opponents with civility. Paper is to be published quality in APA format and at least 10 primary and 10 secondary sources. Say again? Say again, Mr. Um, Jimenez? It's very difficult to get published. You know. I, I've never been published. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. But... That's another issue that we're not going to deal with today. But anyways... That voice that popped up with an unwelcome reality check belongs to defense attorney Suri Chada Jimenez. He represents YSL defendant Cordarius Dorsey. He also faces the judge's ire for lateness. But instead of a fine or an essay, he's told to grab some sandwiches. Uh, Purchase lunch for each of your attorney colleagues in this case. On May 12, 2023, Jimenez ventures half a mile away from the Fulton County Courthouse to Magic City, the Atlanta strip club famous for catering to rappers, basketball stars, and Hollywood elite. And instead of sandwiches, he opts for lemon pepper wings. Jimenez documents the ordeal by posting photos to Instagram. First, a selfie in the rain from the Magic City parking lot, showing its front sign depicting the Atlanta skyline. Then, from inside the darkly lit club, as an employee in a red Magic City hoodie packs aluminum trays into blue-branded tote bags. Finally, another selfie at the courthouse, where the conference table becomes a banquet table for Jimenez, the other attorneys, and their huge takeout order. Early on in the trial, before his visit to Magic City, Jimenez agrees to sit down with us at our table. No wings required. Well, hi, I'm Suri Chada Jimenez. I'm an attorney. I do criminal defense. I've been doing criminal defense for, I think, about six and a half years now. Prior to his defense work, Jimenez was a prosecutor at the district attorney's office from 2013 to 2016 under Fannie Willis's predecessor, Paul Howard. I like Fannie Willis a lot. I mean, I, I'm not a big donor, but you can pull my records. I've, anytime I had a chance, I've donated to her. I believe in what she stands for. Fulton County is a very difficult place to work at. Because you're sometimes you're fighting, you're definitely fighting the defense attorneys, you're fighting the judges as an ADA, and you're also fighting your office. And so you learn how to survive in Fulton County. But now, as part of the YSL case, perhaps Jimenez sees why defense attorneys in Fulton County have historically put up a fight. Even as the YSL trial is just beginning, he seems exhausted. You're not being paid by one of the labels, right? I wish I was getting paid by one of their labels and they can, they can still send some donations. I can start a GoFundMe. Uh, but no, I, uh, I took this case as an appointed case. The judge's office estimated that the YSL trial would take six to nine months. And the YSL trial isn't even the only RICO case on his plate right now. At this moment, I have three 
RICO cases that I'm representing clients on. I am not <laughs> Bruce Harvey or Brian Steele or any of these top attorneys that, uh, that just get all the mob bosses or whatever, you know? Both of these attorneys are also linked to the trial, by the way. Bruce Harvey represents Quamarvius Nichols and Brian Steele, none other than Young Thug. The defense attorneys themselves have become a cast of characters for good or ill. They're a mix of some of the most seasoned professionals in Atlanta, like Harvey and Steele, and some of the city's newest and youngest attorneys. The age gap shows at times. I will start by saying that this assertion that I did not mention the 4-3 argument. Don't worry about that, okay? Because it wouldn't be, I'd have to do it anyway. So don't even worry about that, okay? Okay. I was saying that it's just not true. It's it's, it's capped, to be honest. But, um... That's Justin Hill, the 26-year-old attorney for Damon Blaylock. Hill's comment using the word cap, a slang word for lying, went viral in April. But regardless of age, there's this overarching concern over how exactly justice will be served in the YSL trial. While the state of Georgia has leveraged millions of dollars to prosecute a growing number of gang cases, the Georgia Defense Council, or GDC, initially agreed to pay attorneys $15,000. Low Rod's lawyer, Angela DeWilliams, realized this pay wouldn't be enough to keep her solvent through a year-long case. She filed a request for the state of Georgia to raise her pay. And when that request was denied, Here's what she told the press. I'm thinking maybe I need to start an OnlyFans. I'm very serious, yes. I might have to do an OnlyFans because at least I can still support my client and support me and my family. Look, in this context, starting an OnlyFans actually makes sense. Due to the complexities of this case, taking on more clients just isn't an option. I am going to be in this case full time for the next six to nine months. I cannot take any other cases and, and be there in person. I am taking cases of clients that are not in custody, but if somebody's in custody, I, I, it would, wouldn't be proper for me to take it because I won't be there for them at first appearance. I won't be there for them at a bond hearing. And I let all the clients that right now are, are hiring me, hey, by the way, the case is going to be delayed because I am on trial and I expect to be on trial for some months. And the economics of this case don't just hit the defense. They hit the people who the defense will eventually be trying to sway. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The YSL trial began in January 2023. It has already beaten records for the longest jury selection in the state's history. Who in Fulton County will actually be able to afford taking off work to serve on the jury? That's the million-dollar question, now that Judge Glanville has seen over 2,000 prospective jurors. Hundreds of hardship exemptions have been filed. In this particular case, I cannot think of anybody that is not going to have a hardship. This is a hardship for me. People want to get out of jury duty. A lot of people that look like you and me want to get out of jury duty. So we end up with juries that do not look like our clients. They're not their peers. But as long as their peers were part of the pool. In July 2023, the process of voir dire 
when prospective jurors get asked a series of questions to determine whether or not they could be impartial enough to serve on the trial, finally began. The way the indictment reads makes it sound like we live in the worst city in the world. This is truly actual Gotham City. How are we talking in the middle of the city right now without any guards protecting us? Because that indictment makes it seem like Atlanta is a terrible, terrible place and we should not be here. I guarantee you everybody's going to be terrified. At the root of this hardship, according to defense attorneys, is how Georgia defines a gang. The most memorable explanation we've heard is from APD gang detective Kimberly Underwood. We don't care what you call yourself. You can be the Girl Scouts. If you the Girl Scouts outside of Walmart and I come out and you say, are you going to buy these cookies? And I say, no, ma'am, not today. And they pull out a gun and say, you going to buy these cookies? That's criminal gang activity. It don't matter what your name or your group is. If you do the crime or the criminal gang activity, we consider you a criminal street gang. And so even when taking into account all of the plea deals that the district attorney's office has negotiated, defense attorneys like Jimenez view this case as prosecutorial overkill that is jamming up Fulton County's justice system. When somebody admits that something is a gang, who cares? The cops are going to say it's a gang anyway. They're going to say it was three or more people, and the definition of the statute says blah, 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 and they meet it because blah, blah, blah. And if they don't, then they are a hybrid gang. And if they don't, then blah, blah, blah. So, eh, who cares? He says it's a gang. He says it's a record label. They are making gangs out of anything. What a true gang is, is what a historical gang would be. The, the bloods, the, the, the crips, and their hierarchy, and, their, and nothing happens without somebody giving a go-ahead, right? That's not the case in this case or many of the gang cases that are prosecuted in Georgia. They keep saying, well, we don't have gangs like Chicago. We have, they're different here. Well, yeah, because they're not gangs. They're just a group of kids. Uh, and if they committed a crime, just prove the crime. Somebody did an armed robbery, prove the armed robbery. You know what you get for armed robbery? 10 to 20 or life. Who cares if it's a gang? Just prove your murder. But you add gang charges to scare people. You add gang charges to add more time to the back end that you shouldn't. You can also add gang charges to prosecute people who have already served time. The indictment charges yet another defendant, Walter D.K. Murphy, with being a co-founder of YSL and therefore violating Georgia's RICO law. It cites crimes from incidents that took place between 2012 and 2015, for which Murphy has already spent seven years in prison. Part of the indictment's case against Murphy is based on social media, an Instagram post, but also tattoos. The Instagram photo cited in the indictment zooms in on the letters YSL in cursive, tatted on the right side of Murphy's forehead, though instead of an S, there's a loopy dollar sign. Today, that tattoo is still visible on Murphy's face. But he told Atlanta news station WSB-TV that his relationship with YSL has faded after he served his time, got his GED, and focused on what would have been his re-entry into society from prison. Since you've been out of prison, have you had any contact with Young Thug or any other alleged members of YSL? No. That didn't matter to Fulton County Courts. In June 2022, After Murphy turned himself in following the RICO indictment, a judge denied Murphy bond. Jimenez says that what Murphy is going through isn't right, and it shows an imbalance of power in the justice system where cops, prosecutors, and judges have the upper hand. Part of the reason why I wanted 
to be involved in the case and defend the case is what I've seen. They're going against young men. Some of them are men. Some of them are kids who have already pled and served their time for the crime they did. And what was their crime this time? Taking accountability, taking responsibility, serving their sentence, and still existing. You have more than one person who has already done their time, and the only thing that they had knew about him was a picture. What did he do other than go to prison, repay his debt to society, come back out, get a real job, be a man, but he still has that tattoo. Those pictures are still out there. How is that a crime? Rico says it is. I do believe doing those type of things is abuse of the, of the Rico statute. Yes, it's legal. Doesn't mean it's right. It's not terrible here. Maybe we just step away from the road a little bit. If we yeah. just go back right. into the parking lot. I mean, I have a truck right there. It's big enough. Do you want to go in the truck? Outside A&M Barbershop, okay. the scene of Donovan Thomas's death in 2015, Sean Hoover graciously agrees to host our next conversation about this trial. Supply your own audio booth, I guess. It's oh, <laughs> one way to look at it. Yeah. Inside that black Ram Bighorn pickup truck, we debate whether its air conditioning will be too loud. Should the air be off or no? Uh, probably, but if we get too hot, Okay. I know it's Atlanta. We know this is a podcast, but even in springtime, Atlanta humidity can feel oppressive. I guess we need an introduction first, right? My name is Sean Hoover. I am with, I'm with the Georgia Public Defender Council. I lead the Gang and Rico Task Unit for the public defenders. Hoover has been part of Georgia's Public Defender Council since 2015. We're meeting him because he was representing one of the YSL trial defendants. Yes, that's correct. That defendant... Uh, Mr. Sumlin, Antonio Sumlin. ...took a plea deal in December 2022, one month before the trial officially began. Before he took the plea deal, Sumlin was charged with two counts of conspiracy to commit a crime. One of those crimes was the attempted murder of YFN Lucci. Sumlin was also charged with participating in criminal street gang activity. The indictment cites three social media posts. One Instagram photo from 2017, also featuring Young Thug, captioned original slime shit. A second Instagram post with YSL defendant Shannon Stilwell captioned, shut up and lace your boots, it's wartime. And a third social media post from Cleveland Avenue Park, where Antonio Sumlin wears a shirt that says M-A-S-A. That acronym stands for Make America Slime Again, a clothing line founded by another YSL defendant, Miles Farley. Though Farley's attorneys say that Make America Slime Again has, quote, nothing to do with YSL explicitly. Hoover says that social media doesn't paint as complete a picture of gang activity as the DA's office would like to believe. In the majority of the cases, they're just using YouTube videos and the Facebook videos to say, look, they're all in a gang, and this is how we know they're in a gang, because they're all standing in front of the apartment complex that they lived in or on the street that they lived in, and one friend is rapping, so all of them are dressed the same and throwing up hand signs and, you know, wearing colors, so now they're all in a gang. So are there people that claim YSL or that are from that neighborhood that have committed a crime before? Yes, but YSL as, an, as a whole is not a gang, and that's the problem that the DA's 
They know that, but they don't care about that. They're going to pull everybody under this umbrella that YSL is YSL. So anyone that's wearing the colors, anyone that has a tattoo, anyone from the area is tied with every single person that's committed a crime. That's just like saying the, all of us right now, we're professionals in some way. If I go out and commit a crime, now we're all a gang because I committed a crime and we're associates and we're professionals. That's how they're looking at it. But YSL as a whole, they're not a gang. As a result of that broad scope, Hoover says that not all of the YSL defendants even know each other. When we first started and all the co-defendants came in together, my client, who's in his 30s, were looking at the, the younger ones coming out. And he was like, I have no idea who he is. I've never seen this kid in my life. It will be up to prosecutors to prove all the defendants are connected. The judge's office estimates that this trial will take six to nine months. But that's only after jury selection begins in earnest, which could potentially stretch to nearly a year all on its own, especially with no-shows and cell phones eating up precious time. It will likely become the longest criminal trial in Georgia's history. District Attorney Fonnie Willis doesn't seem phased by the trial's perspective length. I have an aneurysm when I think about the January. It started in January. I just wonder what you must think about all of this. We have to come to work and do our work, so the judge controls the way the trial is outlined. Um, I have probably tried 30 homicides before Judge Glanville. just happened to be, be one of the courtrooms that I was assigned to. Um, he's certainly seasoned. Our job is to come there and present the evidence, and that's what we plan to do. And as long as it takes, justice is not always fast, but we want to do it in a way that shows dignity to people. Not in that case, in every case. And so we'll be there as long as it takes. Fonnie Willis is right. Justice is not always swift. That's especially true for cases as complicated as gang indictments. But as Georgia ramps up street gang prosecutions to address concerns about spiking violence, Hoover worries that his own clients, outside the YSL trial, won't see justice for years because of that effort. Their cases may not be the longest in history, but that's because the clock doesn't start ticking until they get a trial. Let me tell you exactly what one of my clients goes through. So let's go with my 14-year-old. My 14-year-old, the DAs took the case to a grand jury, specially indicted him and got warrants. He goes to jail. Now, because the case has been indicted, we don't get a preliminary hearing, which means we can't take the case in front of a magistrate judge to see what type of evidence they actually have to, so we can start to fight it then. So the first thing we do is ask for a bond. The DAs have been taught to put a number of gang charges on these clients because there's no judge out there that's going to want to be put in the paper that says judge dot 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 gave a gang member a bond on a case and now these gang members are being released. So my 14-year-old stays in prison. Now fast forward, and this is the most disheartening part. If he's 14 when it started, by the time we actually finish this case, I guarantee he's going to be closer to 17, 18, 19 years old. For the judicial system, that's an adult. He's going to transfer from the YDC, the youth detention center where he is now, to the Fulton County Detention Center to where people are literally dying all the time. Him being 14 to 17, we could have about five different bond hearings. And the question the judge always asks is, well, what's changed in his circumstances? The only thing that changed is he's now been in here for another year. And the biggest thing the DAs always say is that, well, because this is a RICO prosecution, the investigation is still ongoing. So we don't know when the trial is actually going to start. The only reason YSL didn't take that long is because Jeffrey Williams and Sergio Kitchens were involved. I have kids that have been in jail literally two, three years now that we're still waiting on trial dates, not even 
hearing dates at this point. We're waiting on trial dates. And that's because you throw that gang on there, no one's going to give them a bond. And if they do, it's going to be a bond that's literally 250,000, 500,000. We're talking about 17-year-old kids that can't afford that. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but 
you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Nineteen-year-old Rodelius Ryan's screams didn't just echo into the courtroom. They reverberated into the homes of people paying attention to the YSL trial. Tense moments inside the courtroom. A screaming was heard as rapper Young Thug sat in the courtroom. Defendant Rodelius Ryan had been escorted out of the courtroom. Screams from the holding area were heard. They take Mr. Ryan, the young child. I mean, he's a kid. Take him to the back. And we can hear him screaming. Officials cleared the courtroom after commotion during the YSL trial. The clip was already making the rounds on social media when Judge Ural Glanville called everyone back into the courtroom to resume proceedings, a formality to send people home. Ladies and gentlemen, unless we have anything else, I'll go ahead and excuse for the evening. But before Glanville could dismiss, Young Thug's attorney, Brian Steele, pipes up. Yeah, you may. And suddenly, we find ourselves part of the proceeding. Your Honor, everybody stands when you come in, courtroom, or leave. We have respect for you. Mr. Williams is innocent. We came here to have a fair trial. And that's what you do. That's why we're going through this process that's taking months. And that's okay, because we're talking about something that could end people's lives. So it's worth it. I am not saying this is accurate, but I was told and there's witnesses here, that they were alerted to come to your honorable court today because there was going to be something newsworthy. This immediate was called allegedly by, now I'm not saying any of these prosecutors, but by somebody with their office. And if that really happened, that's outrageous. This was, this was an embarrassment. Thank you, sir. Uh, and like I said, if you, if, uh, if as with anybody, if you feel that you need to put in a motion for me to hear and consider, I would invite you to do so. So, and I can go ahead and take that up. Ms. Love? The prosecutor, Adrian Love, then asked to address the court. Just like to state for the record and for clarity's sake that there is no way anyone from our office could have predicted the events that occurred today. Um, to suggest that it was orchestrated by our office would imply that we knew that there would be wrongdoing going on and wanted to capture it on camera somehow. So I categorically object to the idea that the state has somehow done some unethical thing and orchestrated an event that only the defendants knew and thankfully the sheriff's department learned uh, was happening today. I'm sure you've already put it together. But that member of the media Brian Steele and Adrian Love are talking about is me. As a crime reporter, I've developed relationships with all sorts of people in law enforcement. Someone from the DA's office did call me to tell me to come to court that day. And that person didn't tell me why. Max Shard alluded to it at the 
top of the last episode. A Fulton County Sheriff's deputy named Morris Kandekai had been accused of assaulting Ryan earlier in the trial when his body camera wasn't turned on. And he was called to testify that day because, as a coincidence, he had been one of the arresting officers in a bust involving YSL defendants years earlier when he was an APD patrol officer. That testimony was supposed to start right before Rodelius Ryan's screams echoed through the courtroom. In response to all this hullabaloo and talk of a potential staged event, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office released body cam footage of the Ryan incident just a few days later. In the footage, you can see a half dozen sheriff's deputies escorting Ryan back into the holding cell area. They tell him they can smell weed on him. Smell like raw marijuana. When you walk back into the courtroom before, multiple people notice that you smell like raw marijuana. You're going to be straight searched. Do you have any on your person you just want to go ahead and hand over right now? Yes, I can still smell it right here, right now. So I'm just That's fine. I understand that. I'm having a conversation with you before we go forward. So I need you to go ahead and take your clothes off, buddy. Ryan protests, but then removes his suit coat and hands it to one of the deputies. Over the course of three minutes, he slowly disrobes until he's standing in front of the deputies in what appears to be two pairs of boxer shorts. Police tell him he needs to drop his underwear. He starts to protest again. That didn't happen. Instead, as Ryan requests his attorney, two deputies grab his wrists. Two more close in on him as reinforcements. That's the screen that echoed through the courtroom. The deputies carry him down the hall to another room, perhaps so he'll be less disruptive to the outside. But Ryan continues to scream. The deputies hold him, force his hands behind his back, lower him to the ground, and cuff him. The deputy wearing the body cam behind the tape helps keep Ryan's upper body restrained as others complete the strip search. Deputies find two bags of weed sewn into a second pair of underwear. Do I know why the DA's office told me to show up in court that day? No. They wouldn't tell me. But after watching the tape, I can tell you one thing. When the stakes are this high and proceedings are drawn out this long, when there are a 
dozen different defendants in one room all facing their fate day after day after day, some already facing life sentences with nothing left to lose, emotions run high, tempers run hot, trust is eroded, and coincidences can easily be confused with conspiracies. Next time on King Slime, did you know the lyrical part of this was going to be a lightning rod for criticism? I guess the better question is, did I care? What rap lyrics say about the YSL defendants? Act 131 on 416 of 21, there's a video released called Ski SKI with lyrics stating, I fuck with slats, uh, we come to eat rats, I came with some piranhas, I tote an FN, a reference to a, a handgun. And what their use in court says about our legal system. Look, there has been a, a very strategic, deliberate plan on how young black men, young black America is portrayed in mass media. That narrative of criminals, guilt before innocence, has been a jacket that black America has worn for a very long time in this country. King Slime is a production of iHeart Podcasts and Heirloom Media. It's written and produced by George Chidi, Christina Lee, and Tommy Andres. Mixing, sound design, and original music by Evan Tyre and Taylor Shacoin. The executive producer and editor is Tommy Andres. Fact-checking by Kaylin Lynch. Our theme music is by Dunn Deal. Special thanks to the Atlanta News Outlets 11 Alive, WSB-TV, Atlanta News First, and Fox 5. For more shows from iHeart Podcasts, visit the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. 